You have your Bibles, your phone, your iPad, whatever it may be you use. Turn with me, if you will, to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at the familiar verse again, chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2, but I want you to key in on some words. As we look at a familiar story about the Magi and their visit to uh, Bethlehem, I want you to pick out worship. The word worship, the means of worship. As we're preparing ourselves to partake of the Lord's Supper, it is an act of worship that we do when we do the Lord's Supper. It's an obedience command of our Lord, but it's an opportunity for us to worship the Lord in a special and unique way. And uh, the Magi certainly give us the example of that. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want us to look together uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 2. The wise men journeyed uh, literally hundreds, if not thousands of miles across the desert. They came from the east. They followed a star. They were willing to take months out of their lives for a trip. They had no idea what was at the end, but they knew something special awaited them. And they went to great expense to uh, purchase gifts that they brought. So they're always a fascination to me. Every Christmas, I love just delving into, looking at further what I can learn about these unique people known as the Magi. We don't know that there were three. They're three gifts, so they're known to be three wise men. But the Bible doesn't call them wise men. The Bible calls them Magi. Uh, They were a group, a special group of people uh, who were known in that day to be basically what we might refer to as our scientists, but they were they delved into various things, uh, and uh, they seem to have persevered over a great length of time. And uh, so as we look at uh, what they did uh, that first Christmas, uh, I think we can agree with what Vance Havner said, and he said it well when he said, Our Lord approved neither idol worship, I-D-O-L, neither idol worship, I-D-L-E, but rather ideal worship in spirit and truth. And we see this in the Magi's visit, and I pray that it'll be our experience this morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Let's consider today how their worship speaks to our worship today. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is the one who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was alarmed and all Jerusalem with him. And after assembling all the chief priests and experts in the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for it is written this way by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are in no way least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod privately summoned the wise men and determined from them when the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and look carefully for the child. And when you find him, inform me so that I can go and worship him as well. After listening to the king, they left. And once again, the star They saw when it rose, led them until it stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they shouted joyfully. And as they came into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure boxes and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
And after being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back by another route to their own country. Let us pray. Father, for your word and for this blessed story being recorded by the work of your Holy Spirit in the Gospel of Matthew, Lord, we're so grateful that this story endured and was saved and recorded. And Lord, we can examine it today and know that, uh, Lord, this event tells us much about what you desire from us even today. Particularly, Lord, as we're about to celebrate and observe the supper which you yourself told the disciples to observe until you returned. Then, Lord, today as we are obedient to your word, and today as we joyfully come and present ourselves to you in a special way and partake of the elements of the supper, the symbolically taking of your body when we partake of the bread, symbolically partaking of your blood when we drink of the cup, remembering, Lord, that you gave yourself to be a sacrifice for our sins, then, Lord, let it be that today we would worship you as those magi worshiped you that first Christmas. And, Lord, that this would be our time to simply present ourselves to you afresh, particularly, Lord, as we face yet a new year and all the challenges, yet all the opportunities that will be before us. Lord, again, may you do your great work in every heart and life. If there's someone here today who doesn't know Jesus, as their personal Lord and Savior, even today, Lord, would they say yes to the one who was born in Bethlehem, who grew to be a man, who lived a perfect, sinless life, who willingly suffered and died on a cross for their sins so that they might be saved, who victoriously rose from the grave, who ascended to heaven and one day will come again. You, O Lord, will come as King of kings and Lord of lords. So may there be those today who would say yes and both trust, believe, and receive you as they turn from their sins and turn to a Savior who can save them. Do your great work in this place today, and we'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage of Scripture, just a couple of things I want to point out very quickly before we partake of the Lord's Supper that I think are important to observe and, and keep in our hearts and minds as we are about to take of the elements this morning. First off, I want you to notice that the Magi worshipped the Lord, and that worship began long before they got to Bethlehem. Our worship should always begin long before we come to East Island Baptist Church. Our worship should begin in our hearts and minds before we ever depart our home. It actually should be a week-long event. It actually should be a lifelong journey of worship. Worship should just be a part of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis and on an ongoing basis. It's not something we just do on Sundays. It's not something we just do on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesdays. It's not something we just even do in our personal time with the Lord in our Bible studies, and in our quiet time. Worship is something that should be part of our life. And we should be willing and able to worship the Lord at all times. The Magi began their worship as they looked into the heavens and saw what God was doing as he caused it to be seen and known in the, in the stars and in the sky. And recognizing that something great was about to happen, they began to prepare themselves for worship. And so they prepared for a journey. They acquired the gifts and they acquired the necessary uh, things that would be needed for that journey. And so they took off. Already they were worshiping. You see, when we come before the Lord today, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, one of the things that we should seek and desire more than anything else is to seek the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm grateful as believers we know that Jesus is present within us. He is with us all the time. But there's something very special about the Lord's Supper because the Lord says where two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there. 
And so we think about that when we think about corporate worship, that there's a sense in which the Lord is with us all the time, but there's a sense in which the Lord is with us when we gather together, and there's a very special sense in which the Lord makes himself known as we are obedient and partake of his body and his blood symbolically. And so it, I pray that we will be like the Magi who worshiped, and their worship involves seeking the presence of the Lord. Again, we don't know how many of the Magi there were. Again, tradition tells us three. In fact, tradition gives us the names of Gaspar, Melchior, and Belshazzar. And, and uh, yet, while we don't know their name, we don't know really anything about them, just simply that they were Magi. We do know this, uh, that they came to worship. And that worship began because they wanted to seek the presence of the Lord. Something very special was going on in the sky. They could have worshipped the Lord from where they were at. They could have worshipped the Lord from whatever planetarium or whatever way in which they were able to gaze into the heavens and see what's going on. They could have worshipped there. You know, all the time in my ministry, I've had people say, well, you know, preacher, I can worship the Lord anywhere. I don't have to come to church. I can worship Him on the golf course. I can worship Him in a boat while I'm fishing. I can worship Him in the woods while I'm hunting. I can worship the Lord anytime, anywhere. Yeah, you could, but you probably aren't. But you come here to worship the Lord. We come here corporately to be together so we can present ourselves before the Lord, to the Lord, and to be with the Lord and to seek His presence. I pray that that's true for you today. And certainly as we partake of this, we call the Lord's Supper because there's a sense in which the Lord is very present because symbolically we are taking of His body and blood, which means the presence of Jesus in this place today. I pray your worship involves seeking the presence of the Lord. You know, I can say this, that as I think about the Vietnamese church that uh, I was privileged to go with a mission trip, uh, here we're called Kingdom Builders, there they were builders for Christ, but I went with another church and our church would join with them much as our church joins with Central Baptists and goes on mission trips each year and, and a construction trip, and we were going to uh, Oklahoma City, we were going to build a Vietnamese Baptist church building for some Vietnamese who were meeting in a home, and that home was so small that they couldn't get everybody in, and there were literally over 100 plus people there who came Sunday after Sunday to worship the Lord, and they couldn't get in the building, so they just camped out. They made sure all the windows were open so they could hear what was going on, and these people camped out outside, and they literally, some of them traveled over 100 miles to get to that church to worship. And I thought, they had the spirit of the Magi. <laughs> had the spirit of the Magi in them that they were willing. You know, that took time to get ready to worship the Lord by just simply making preparations to travel that far to come to church. And it was a joy to build a building for them where they could come together and all assemble within them in, the, in that building and worship the Lord. And you've never seen such excited folks who were helping us with that construction. Two years later, we had to go back and help them build yet a larger facility. They had a hunger to worship the Lord, to seek the presence of the Lord. Something they could have easily done probably in their homes wherever they were, but they decided they wanted to make sure they were together in their worship. I pray that not only today, but in the Sundays to come and the, the, the opportunities we have in 2020, that as a church we will seek the presence of the Lord in our worship that's what the psalmist reminds us of in Psalm 105.4. He says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. May that be part of our worship. There's a second aspect of worship very quickly I want us to look at as the Magi give us 
a model, if you will, of worship. Their worship involved bowing before the Lord. Now, you know, a lot of churches will have what they call kneeling uh, benches. They'll have something behind the pew they can fold down and put their knees on. They have kneeling benches up at the front. Baptist churches, typically, we don't do that. But there's absolutely no reason in the world when we come to worship the Lord that we cannot bow ourselves and our hearts and minds before the Lord and worship Him. And this is what the Magi came to do. Now, again, you couldn't do that where they were. They had to come to Jesus. But when they came, they already had an expectation of what they would do when they found the one that the stars had proclaimed not just to be any child, not just to be any king, but king of kings, the king of the Jews. And so they traveled that distance, and they came, and when they came, the Bible says that in verse 11, as they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother, they bowed down and worshiped him. In a sense, when we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, that's what we're doing. We're, we're bowing down to a Savior who willingly suffered and died on a cross. And the Lord's Supper is all about the cross. It's all about what Jesus did for us, his suffering and his death. The fact that he gave his body to be pierced and, and to be whipped and to be uh, in such a way mutilated that, that it would have been hard to have recognized who he was. But willingly did this and suffered and died on a cross, gave his body so that you and I could be saved, but then also shed his blood, which the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And we'll partake of that as well. And this is one of the reasons why we need to bow down before our Lord. You know, when you read the book of Revelation, you find over and over where people in heaven and creatures in heaven and angels and all prostrate themselves and bow before the King of kings and Lord of lords. Why? Because he was the Lamb slain only he was worthy to open the seals because he was the lamb slain and folks that's the only way you and i will rejoice in heaven is because as the bible says in revelation we will rejoice over and over because of what he did on the cross for us so i pray that we'll also have the worship of the magi as we partake of the supper this morning and that our worship will involve bowing down before the Lord, perhaps not physically, but certainly in our hearts and minds, we worship Him. You know, I, I love Christmas, and, and I hope you had a blessed one. I, I always love to try to recapture the excitement of Christmas uh, that I've had in the past. Uh, but you find that here. You find that that first Christmas, they experienced joy unspeakable. It says, when they, verse 10, when they saw the star, they shouted joyfully, but folks, when they came before the one the star proclaimed, when they came before Jesus, their joy was unbelievable. And they left full. That's the way it should be with us when we worship the Lord. Should leave having been filled with an understanding of what God has done for us, an awareness of his presence. And listen, if they could be moved by a star, if they were willing to travel as far as they did, simply because of what God did in the skies to let them know what he was doing so that they, they, they spared no cost uh, in terms of time or energy or treasure and they found and worshiped Jesus, how much more should you and I be moved every time we meet together in this place? Because here we come, not to a baby born in Bethlehem, but to a Savior who fully lived his life 
and gave it to us. May we bow before the Lord as we take of the Lord's Supper and then their worship involved giving their treasures. Some critics say that Christmas is just simply a cultural event and we don't know when Jesus was born. So they say, well, you're just glorifying some pagan uh, day or something of that nature. Listen, we don't know when Jesus was born. We don't know the exact day. I think we probably can by the stars if you go and if you've ever seen Bob Larson's uh, little uh, video on, on the star of Bethlehem, he tracks you by dates as to when certain things were going on in the heavens that might, most likely will tell us a little bit more about when Jesus was born. Most likely December the 25th was the visit of the Magi because that's when things happened in the heavens that would have created the star of Bethlehem for them to see and follow and when it would have stopped over Bethlehem and so forth. But that's not even the main issue. The main issue here is that when they did come, whenever it was, they presented gifts to Jesus. See, here's the important thing. First off, they gave themselves. That's why they made the journey. They wanted to come in the presence of the Lord, and they gave themselves first to the Lord in worship. But then also they gave of their gifts. And again, when I think about Christmas, I think about giving. I'm so tickled. I didn't say it in the announcements because I wanted to save it till now, but I, I'm so blessed that our church has given as much as it's given a lot of money. Because 100% of that money goes into the hands of missionaries. And on the mission field where people are being told about Jesus so people can be saved, churches can be planted, uh, ongoing churches can be strengthened, and churches that might otherwise just simply survive can thrive because God's people are providing the resources necessary for that work to go on. I'm, I'm so blessed that so many of you opened up your treasures and gave them to Jesus this Christmas. But folks, every time we come to worship, we ought to present ourselves. And every time we come to worship, we ought to present to the Lord our tithes, our offerings, our gifts, whatever it is the Lord would have us to do, our talents, our time. All of this belongs to the Lord, and, and we ought to give them, not as tokens of our affection, but a sacrificial recognition of who he is. And that be our worship. So they did worship him by coming into his presence, and they worshiped him by bowing down to him, and they worshiped him by giving of their gifts. And, and, uh, and these gifts were not offered by some kind of compulsion. It wasn't mandatory. Uh, but they gave extravagantly because they knew who they were given to. Oh, folks, listen to me. Sometimes I have people ask me, how much should I do? How much should I give? What about this? What about that? And it's kind of like uh, somebody, and I, I, it didn't happen to me, but it's happened to some preachers apparently because I keep hearing the story over and over. But, you know, somebody's getting ready to do a wedding for a couple, and, and somebody says, well, how much should we pay you? And the preacher says, well, how much is she worth? <laughs> when you and I come to worship the Lord, what should we give to the King of kings and Lord of lords? What should we bring as our gift of worship? And the answer to that is, who are you giving it to? If you're giving it to the church, well, you might talk about all the different things it might go to and this and that, but, but if you're giving it to Jesus, 
how much is he worth? And that's not just talking about our treasure. It's our time. How much is Jesus worth to give him of our time? And how much is he worth to give him our talents? The Lord's Supper tells us how much he's worth. Because not only are we giving to Jesus, but we're also giving in gratitude for what he's done. And what God did for us was he gave it all. He gave everything because he gave of himself. The Magi knew there would be a sacrifice. They gave the gold, I believe, because he was king. They gave the incense because they knew he would be a priest, a priest. But they gave the myrrh because that was attached to burials and sacrifice. And they knew that that baby was born to be a sacrifice. Folks, Jesus did what he promised. And he gave us everything. And the beautiful thing about this when we take of the Lord's Supper this morning is not only has our Lord given to us the greatest gift he could give, and that was the gift of himself and of his willingness to suffer and die on the cross, but now it's our opportunity to give of ourselves to him and to give of our worship. But it's also our way of just saying thanks and letting this become not just a moment in time in a worship service, but an expression of how our life should be every day. The Magi understood this. And when they came, it may have been a moment in time in worship, but folks, those Magi left, and they were never the same. You and I should never be the same when we encounter the Lord. In fact, I'm convinced it is impossible to be the same if you encounter Jesus. Nobody was ever the same when they encountered him. Today, let us encounter Jesus. Let us do as the Magi did. Let us worship the Lord by seeking his presence, by bowing before him as we partake of the Lord's Supper in our hearts and minds, acknowledging him who willingly suffered and died for us, and then give as we can. I'm so grateful that... Uh, our church contributes in other ways besides the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Many of you participated in Operation Christmas Child where some kids somewhere had Christmas because of you, because of your gift, because of your love, and, and Christ was shared with them. But I'm reminded of the pastor that shared a story about an elementary school principal. He called him years ago before school dismissed for the Christmas holidays. The principal's voice was choked with emotion because she shared the story about a six-year-old boy who came to school with a note written by his father pinned to his tattered coat. The note read, Please help my son if you can. His mother recently ran off and left us, and last week I lost my job. I'm swallowing my pride for the sake of my son. I've never had to ask for help before. Could someone make it possible for him to have a gift for Christmas? The pastor teared up and agreed to help. He involved his own children in the joy given. They scurried excitedly through a toy store and bought gifts that afternoon. They went to the grocery store, bought food for the man and his son, and 
They found the small frame home that night and gave them their gifts, and the father of the boy just started weeping, and the little boy did something the pastor said he would never forget. He said, Mr., my teacher said you would come. I just knew you would. Thank you, mister. And before he touched a single gift, he went and hugged the pastor. And the lesson was obvious. The little boy put more emphasis on the giver than the gift. Today, as we take the Lord's Supper, let us put more emphasis on the giver than the gift. Put your emphasis as you take of the elements on the one whom the elements point us to. See, Christmas isn't really Christmas without worship because that's what Christmas was all about. The shepherds came and worshiped. The angels led them in worship. The wise men came and worshiped. Everything about Christmas is about worship. So we're about to sing a hymn. It'll be a hymn of invitation, but it'll be an opportunity for you. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to do that. We invite you to just simply, by faith, acknowledge that Jesus is who he said he was. He's the Son of God, but he's also God the Son. He became flesh, lived among us, lived a perfect, sinless life, that he did, in fact, willingly suffer and die on a cross for your sins as he did for mine and everybody else's. And then, victoriously, after being buried in a grave, came forth. And he lives, and he'll live in your heart and in your life. Now, for many of you, your testimony is that has happened. We invite you to partake of the Lord's Supper. For some of you, that may not be your testimony. Then our desire and our prayer and our strongest encouragement is today. Let Jesus be born in you by inviting him, by being willing to turn from sin and turn to a Savior who can save you and forgive you and make you a new person. So let us go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll sing our hymn of invitation. I'm going to ask our deacons if they would to gather to the back on the first verse and on the second verse you'll come and assemble yourselves here to the front. But don't let that hinder anybody who needs to make a decision today. We want you to come. You will not delay us any at all and any delay would be welcomed. But we want you to come. We want you to come to Jesus. Do like the Magi, seek his presence in your life, bow before him and acknowledge who he is, and give yourself to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to not only have a time of invitation, but then, Lord, to observe the meal which you yourself told us to observe. So, Lord, in this time, may you do your great and mighty work through the work of your Holy Spirit to speak to hearts. If there is someone here today in the sound of my voice who has never yet had a time and a place where they know that they became saved, they became a Christian because they put their personal faith and trust in you as Lord and Savior, then dear Jesus, today, by the work of your Holy Spirit, would you speak to their hearts, would you bring conviction, and Lord, would you give them an awareness of this need to do what they need to do and that they would do it. That, Lord, today they would acknowledge that they can't save themselves. There's nothing of this earth that they can be saved by other than you. And that today they would simply acknowledge this by simply saying, I can't save myself, dear Jesus. But the best that I know how, I ask Jesus to come into my heart to help me to turn from my sin and to help me to live for you. To save me and to become the Lord of my life. 
Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. Now help me to live for you. Lord, for those who had prayed a prayer like that for the first time, I pray, Lord, you give them courage and boldness just to come forward during the invitation. Let us know they prayed so that, Lord, after the service, we can talk to them further about things they might need to do. But then, Lord, also as we observe the supper today, then, Lord, may this be an opportunity for us to present ourselves to you afresh, as the Magi did, Lord, to worship you and to give of ourselves and then to be willing to be obedient to give of all the things in our life that are yours that we need to give. So that, Lord, our worship is not just today, but it's lifelong, it's ongoing, and it's the worship you desire. Have your will and your way in this moment, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing the hymn invitation. If God has spoken to you, you come as we sing, Brother Tom. Let's stand together, please. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely the light of his glory and grace through death into life everlasting he passed and we follow him there over us in no more hath dominion for more than conquerors we are. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely in the light of his glory 